0: Good evening, please be ready with your Bible open to Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17. I'm really enjoying these Sunday evenings lately. Several of you have submitted passages for me to deal with on Sunday evenings. Your favorite passages have been sent to me through emails or texts or verbally or handing me a note, and those are lined up for Sunday evenings. Those times are actually booked through the end of December, and there is no deadline. You can still send me your favorite passage, and we will schedule that for a Sunday evening. The verse requested tonight is from our internet audience, and it is verse 6 in Acts chapter 17. In particular, the expression, turning the world upside down. But in order to handle that expression objectively, of course, we need context. So I'm going to read from verse 1 down through verse 15 in Acts chapter 17. I'll deal with the primary verse I've been asked to handle, but when we put context around it, it becomes much simpler to understand. Acts 17, 1 through 15. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. On three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to rise, to suffer, and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. and Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him, as soon as possible, they departed. In the time documented by Luke here, Paul and Silas are working together, taking the gospel into the region that is called Macedonia, Thessalonica in particular, and then after that Berea. There was a synagogue of the Jews in Thessalonica, a local meeting place, for Jews, and on three Sabbath days, Paul was a visitor and he had opportunity to reason with the people from the scriptures. Now, it is important to see there was a specific truth from scripture Paul was emphasizing. The truth about Jesus Christ who suffered and died and was raised from the dead as prophesied in the Old Testament the message was this that is written in the old testament has happened this jesus i proclaim to you he is the christ paul and silas maintained so this is paul and silas preaching christ in thessalonica now they have no intention of stirring up a mob. There is no interest in just coming in to a community and creating conflict, or disturbing the peace in the community, or bringing up something that would be against Caesar. They're doing what Jesus wanted these men to do. They're preaching the gospel of Christ in Thessalonica and you'll notice when you come to verse 4 there are good results some of them were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women now this is good exactly in keeping with what their purpose was to arouse interest in what scripture said about Christ And to understand that this has happened. It has been fulfilled. Darrell read to us about the fulfillment of Scripture in the suffering and death and resurrection of Christ. And that's the message Paul and Silas bring to Macedonia and to the city of Thessalonica. Christ came, he suffered, died, and the truth is he was raised from the dead. And some were persuaded but some were not. Verse 5. The Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. Set the city in an uproar. And attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Lock into that attitude. Jealous. Now why? Why? Would these particular Jews in this group in Thessalonica be jealous? Aside from the fact that we consider jealousy to be an immature attitude, and their methods are in keeping with that immature attitude, they're unconvinced about Christ. Why would they be jealous? Paul and Silas are receiving the attention they thought they deserved. So you have, therefore, unbelief combined with an immature attitude, and that's captured by the word jealous. Now, where does jealousy often lead? In fact, where does any immature attitude often lead? If not repented of, it leads to immature behavior. How immature? It says here, they took some wicked men of the rabble. Now, stop there. Back then in that place and time, if you wanted to get some mob action going and stir people up and create a distraction from something that was happening that you didn't like, you could find some men who would be hired out as what we would call rabble rousers, or thugs, or muscle men. And these kind of men didn't care what the cause was. They didn't sign on to the cause. They were professional troublemakers. You could pay them a certain amount, and based on that retainer and what you promised ahead, they would create trouble. You want a riot or chaos Find these kind of men, wicked men, and get them to form a mob and set the city in an uproar and attack someone's house. Bring those awful Christians out in the streets and then make false and exaggerated charges against them. Take these Christians to the authorities. You've created your distraction. And now in all that confusion, take these Christians that you oppose to the authorities and make it sound like a worldwide conspiracy that has to stop in Macedonia and in the limits of the city of Thessalonica. These men have turned the world upside down. They are attacking the decrees and the power and authority of Caesar. They are saying that there's another king who is a rival, Jesus. And the response, verses 8 through 10. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived they went into the Jewish synagogue I need to pause here and deal with the verse I was requested to address verse 6 we're gonna lock into that for a minute the phrase in particular these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also now The person asking me to deal with this verse wants to know, is this telling us to turn the world upside down, or is this reporting what these wicked men claimed about Paul and Silas and their work? Well, this is simple. When we read verse 6 within the framework of the context and the grammar that Luke gives us in the English translations, it is clear this is not God telling us to turn the world upside down in the manner that these men described. This is an accusation expressed by the rabble-rousers, hired by the jealous unbelieving Jews so follow the narrative carefully from 5 to 7 the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rival they formed a mob set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason seeking to bring them out to the crowd and when they could not find them they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. This is what the wicked men of the rabble were telling the authorities. So I believe when we quote this statement in Acts seventeen six, we ought to be very clear and make it clear that this is not God giving a command through the apostles this is an accusation uttered by these wicked men. Paul and Silas as I mentioned before, had no intention of turning communities upside down, stirring up a mob, provoking the authorities. They simply wanted to preach the gospel. And Jesus is not proclaimed as a rival king to take the place or compete with Caesar. Jesus' kingdom, in fact, Jesus said in John 18, was not of this world. It was not a civil geographically bordered kingdom on earth. Paul and Silas were not acting against the decrees of Caesar. So the statement, turning the world upside down, needs context. It isn't a command of God. It is what wicked men said In their vain efforts to create a disturbing distraction to silence the preaching of the gospel I'll plug a lesson in here our responsibility as Christians today is to preach the same message Paul and Silas delivered the gospel of Christ and to preach that message fully to seek opportunity to support the work of preaching To engage in personal evangelism, our motive is not to cause trouble, arouse jealousy, provoke a mob reaction. If that happens, we will continue to preach the gospel, but it isn't our purpose to stir up trouble. It is our purpose to deliver the message God charges us to deliver. We don't want to purposely inspire jealousy and cause wicked men to speak of what we're doing in exaggerated terms. So personally, I'm not going to use this statement turning the world upside down as if it came directly from God. I'm not comfortable quoting what wicked men said without attributing the quote to those wicked men in the context of what those wicked men were attempting to do in that mob distraction. Now, if we're looking for some good quotes from the text in Acts 17:1 through 15, there are many. I'll bring our attention to four. He reasoned with them from the scriptures. When seeking to convert someone out of sin into Christ, it is not experience that we offer. It is not opinion that we impose. It is not religious comparison, we're better than somebody else. It is not mere emotion. When seeking to convert someone out of sin into Christ, we have one source the Scriptures. Not just a few quotations, not a chart or a diagram or a picture or a song. Read and study Scripture with the person you're seeking to teach. And if you do not feel competent to do that, get someone who is to sit down with that prospect and open the Scripture. You may not turn the world upside down, but you can sit down with a person And open the book. Reasoning from the scriptures. And when you open the book, you're going to say, This Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. Now, that quotation didn't come from the mob or the rabble-rousers. This Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ came from God through these faithful messengers, Paul and Silas. Once confidence in Scripture is established, simply show from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Savior God sent. And then show from the Scripture how one receives the gift of salvation. And we spoke to that this morning. It is a mistake to just start talking about baptism in the church if you haven't established that Jesus is the Christ the Savior see God doesn't require that we create a mob scene or a disturbance or inspire jealousy on purpose the truth of the gospel may disturb the heart of the person or the crowd or the world as people are convicted of their sin but there can be repentance If their heart is right, open the Bible, reason from the Scriptures, and then proclaim Jesus is the Christ. And then ask the people you're talking to to see for themselves. The noble Jews in Berea examined the Scriptures to see if these things were so. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Please notice, there were some other Jews mentioned back in verse 5, jealous Jews who went out and found wicked men to create that uproar. But here in verse 11, very different people, very different Jews, noble, eager, Willing to examine the scriptures to see if what was being preached about Jesus fulfilling prophecy was true. And that's exactly what we want people to do. We should encourage this. We don't want people to just take our word. We want people to take God's word. Show them. Let them read it and study it and find it and respond. Let them examine the scriptures themselves to see if these things are so. There are so many good quotes in Acts chapter 17 when you bring in the context. And then the word of God was proclaimed. And that brings in everything we've been talking about. As the word of God was proclaimed, negative reaction occurred. People in the crowd were agitated. There was jealousy on the part of Jews in Thessalonica. But agitation wasn't the purpose of the preaching. It wasn't let's go into a city and see what we can stir up and then let's go on to another city and see what we can stir up there. No, agitation wasn't the purpose of the preaching, nor did that agitation cause the preachers to be silent or change the message. The calling is to deliver God's Word just as God gave it and keep delivering that message of salvation, and Even if nobody responds, even if the environment is one of hostility and persecution and going out to hire rabble-rousers, we keep preaching the Word. We don't seek persecution, but persecution doesn't stop us. Our intent is not to provoke mob reaction, but if mob reaction occurs, we're going to continue doing what God said we ought to do. Our intent is to reason from the Scriptures, proclaiming Christ and telling people what the Word of God says. So, I hope this has been helpful to the person who submitted the question and to those of us who are here tonight. I repeat, you can submit to me your request about a passage you have an interest in. The point tonight is really about clarity. We are not charged to just go out and disturb people, disturb the peace, turn the world upside down. That statement was the exaggerated accusation of wicked men. Our charge is to open the Scriptures, reason from the Scriptures, ask people to see for themselves to verify what the truth is from God and then we encourage sinners to repent and be baptized and we continue to stand for the truth and try in using the word of God to seek the greater purpose which is that hearts will be turned from sin to God through Jesus Christ. Let's be standing as we sing.